Welcome to Best Picture This, where it is always Oscar season. I'm Mike. And I'm Brian. In this show, we reevaluate every Best Picture nominee from the 21st century and decide whether to keep it or kick it from its Oscar pedestal. But hey, before we're off to the races, um, I don't want to be a nay-sayer. I, I see what you did there and, and what you did there too. <laughs> but of the stable <laughs> of movies that we're talking about from 2003, I'm the most confident that this is the one that's not jockeying for a position on your list. Is that is that fair? <laughs> Um, it might it might lose some races in in my heart and mind. <laughs> I think I fit six puns in there. Might have been five. In 2003, the nominees for Best Picture were Master and Commander: The Far Side of the World, Lost in Translation, Mystic River, The Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King, and today's movie Sea Biscuit, directed by Gary Ross. Here's the trailer. Shoot him anyway, I'll save you the bullet. Rep Pollard, Mr. and Mrs. Howard. Right. Hello? Of course it's nuts. Well, at least he wasn't expensive. Every horse is good for something. You don't throw a whole life away just because it's banged up a little. Just needs to learn how to be a horse again. How far do you want me to take him? Charlie stops. Let's see what you got, boy. What? Fast? Your horse just broke the track record of tampering. I just think this horse has a lot of heart. I'll lay even money that this nag sea biscuit couldn't even finish at six furlongs. I told you, look out for Rosemont. It's not my fault. Stop, he was flying up your damn... No, I can't! What? See out there! He lied to us. What do you mean? He's blind in one eye. You don't throw a whole life away just because he's banged up a little bit. Look at us. Our horse is too small. Our jockey is too big. Everybody loses a couple, and you either pack up and you go home or you keep fighting. Kind of small, isn't he? Gonna look a lot small in a second, Georgie. That was rousing. Are you inspired? I'm roused. <laughs> I feel 
I like this movie. <laughs> I feel like I like it less after that trailer because I was feeling like, yeah, I did it. You can watch the trailer and that's the whole movie in a way, right? Plenty, plenty good. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, Gary Ross, Cinematography, Editing, Other Stuff. Uh, strange though, there was zero acting, no directing nominations, and that's unusual for a Best Picture nominee. Hmm. Um, it was nominated for a Grammy, Randy Newman, the great Randy Newman. He wrote lots of Pixar scores and songs. He's been nominated for 22 Oscars, Randy Newman. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Coming up in the show, we'll do our Farley Awards, the most awesome moment of the movie. We'll give our golden takes. We'll also ask each other one question that is designed to fill our dinner plates with the mashed potatoes of truth, regardless of whether we weigh more than 115 pounds, um, which I know I do more, weigh more than that. Oh, barely. You're, you're, you're close. Mm-hmm. You're close. And we'll also imagine what might have been, talk trivia, and give the big reveal. Will you keep it or kick it? But first, our Farley Awards for the most awesome moment of the movie. And for me, hear me out. I'm going to go with when the kid dies. (laughs) That's my Farley Award. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, great. Then we can combine them. So (laughs) specifically, what's good about this? Has this ever happened? Uh, I mean, you'd think that this would happen a lot. I don't think so. I think this might be a first in Best Picture This That's exciting. So the way that they edit this sequence, I think... Is the standout. Mine says, my, my notes say choppy editing of Jeff Bridges' son's death. Yeah, I mean. That's what you just said. Choppy is well, is one way to explain <laughs> it, I, I guess. I mean, I, I feel like there's a little more finesse behind the, but I, I kind of like wrote down the beats of this okay. of this sure. montage because I, I, I think that it's very efficient and good. So the little kid, his son, we see him driving a car out to go fishing and we get a low shot from the back wheel that shows the tires kind of slightly swerve. So we're reminded this kid's not the most confident behind the wheel. Then we're showing a truck driving on the road above him. Cue to the kid changing gears. We know what's about to happen. Yes. All we need to see is the (laughs) truck that's not even on really the same road as him. And then we see the truck again. Then a phone call. Jeff Bridges just says, what? We get a shot of the car flipped over. A different car. It looks nice. Maybe it's doctors. Pulls into Bridges' driveway. We see him run out for a second, maybe two. Then from almost a different room of the house, kind of like to respect his privacy, we see him cradling the body, mm-hmm. sobbing, maybe two seconds. It's barely audible. And then a shot of people standing around a coffin funeral. That's it. It's 70 seconds tells a whole story, and I think that we need absolutely nothing more than that. There's actually also another little detail which I thought was pretty pretty memorable, which is the Cracker Jack floating in the water mm. in the car. Like it's, it, you know, the, the, whole, the whole car has been turned upside down and crashed, but that's, that's one way that it showed like, you know, it's, it's a child's yes. snack, you know, that's, that's being soaked in water because, it, because of the crash. Would you eat Cracker Jack? Oh yeah, I, I did like two days ago. I had Cracker Jack. <laughs> so when I say a child, <laughs> I mean child at heart. Do you have any in your pockets right now? I Brian? don't, but okay. I might have one of. The, I might have a little sheriff's badge or something. Nice, nice. Um, I agree. This is also my Farley Award. It's not a typical narrative sequence, but it conveys the grief really Especially well. Especially in a movie like this, yeah, where you expect them to wring the emotion out and try yeah. to manipulate, and this avoids that every step of the way. <laughs> so you see this as like a manipulation type of movie. One hundred percent. Yeah, John. Schwartzman was the cinematographer and he actually won the American Society of Cinematographers award that year for outstanding achievement, which I thought was interesting because mm-hmm. there's every year there's so many to choose from, but he won number, you know, first place. Um, this is the guy who also did director of photography work in Pearl Harbor, Jurassic world. And of course 
what we all know as one of the great cinematography movies of all time, Meet the Fockers. Um, I've seen golden, zero of those. Golden Takes. You've never seen Jurassic World? <laughs> I haven't. That was in my uh, movie past days. So Golden Takes. Um, <laughs> I appreciated that this was more than about horse racing. You know, it's also about America and cars and kind of the power of chance, but it's mostly about horse racing. It's about underdogs. I think mm-hmm. after I got done with this movie, I sent you a text that just said, I would have rather watched Rocky four <laughs> because I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. You know, the horse is too small, the jockey's too big and half blind, the trainer's too old. That's how they describe them. And yet they keep winning because they've got grit, Brian, and they've mm-hmm. got spirit. They have Jeff Bridges inspirational speeches. And, and he's very good. I, yeah, I, he's I good. do think he's good and he's good in everything. But like I said, with that trailer, I really do feel like if you watch that trailer, you know exactly what you're getting out of this movie. And maybe that's part of the point. Maybe that's part of the allure but not really for me this isn't the kind of experience that i get excited about although i didn't dislike watching it and there are things i think to appreciate if you're into that kind of thing Mm -hmm. if you're into that kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) if you're into being inspired you're trying so hard to be nice so my golden take is that we are willing to suspend our disbelief for nonfiction more than we're willing to suspend our disbelief for fiction in this movie, you have, like you said, all that list of why he's big an underdog. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't believe if this was a fictional story about him winning all those races, he'd be like, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that it, it, he won, you're kind of like excited. It's like a totally different type of suspending your disbelief. And I think that's a pretty, pretty cool effect that this movie pulls off and why a lot of nonfiction movies, a lot of true, you know, uh, based on a true story, movies do well in the box office. Did they ever answer the whole half-blind question, though? Because they do bring it up, and I thought at some point he was going to get, like, glasses, or they would... I don't know. I don't think he ever got his eyes fixed. This was before the... uh, you know, yeah, why even have it then? Surgery. I don't know. Because it's a true story. Just because Jeff Bridges could all, could say, you don't throw away a man just because Maybe. he's got broken parts. When when uh, when Chris Cooper, who is also good he's in, very every, good in everything... Too. yeah. When he said that line at the beginning, you're like, that's coming around yeah. <laughs> again. That's coming around well, let's again. let's face it. This movie, they do the one-on-one <laughs> comparison between Seabiscuit and Toby constantly. You yeah. know, they break their leg at the same time. When um, Seabiscuit hurts his leg, Toby Maguire like jolts out of a dream as if they yeah. have some cosmic connection. And they're standing next to each other, each with the cast on, uh, Yeah, basically. just like earlier in the movie when they were trying to figure out who could ride this horse. Seabiscuit's angry and trying to get everyone away from him, and then they you know, pan over to Toby's Toby. beating people up by the hot yeah, hay and bales. It's like, these guys are both similar and they need a purpose <laughs> in life. Put them together. Anyway, questions, Brian. My question to you is this movie stitches together its scenes with several devices that hmm. serve as narrators. Okay. First you have David McCullough, who is a great historian and has done other documentaries before, but he's not in any other movies, which is interesting. His voice is, was very recognizable to me and I had to look it up to make sure who it was, but you have David McCullough in these black and white, like talking about Henry Ford and all this stuff. It feels like a Ken Burns it, documentary. It, he, do, he did yeah. Ken Burns civil war. That's, ah, okay. that's partly why I might think of that. Then you have these newspaper montage headlines, sort of like the Spider-Man newspaper ones. Then you have William H. Macy, who's making jokes and making sound effects, and he's hilarious in My the studio. My favorite character in the movie by oh, far. Oh, yeah. I knew that you would love that. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the newsreels in the movie theaters. And when you think about how many times <laughs> they're doing this stitching together of these newsreels or David McCullough or William H. Macy, and it's all serving a similar purpose of 
filling you in on the backstory. Where are we? How many? This is have one of the won, reasons you know? that it, like the 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 storytelling really stalls quite a few times for me. But my curiosity, I was curious, which of those four narrative devices did you prefer? And you maybe just William answered H. Macy. It. Yeah, yeah, it's and he's it's the not most close. entertaining one. He's just every time he talked, almost. I chuckled you're or like laughed. Leaning forward on the edge of your well, seat. If you're gonna, not because you're so excited, but he, you, he's gonna entertain you. Yes, exactly. And and like you're saying, if you're gonna, if the whole function of this character or device is to just deliver exposition and let me know where I am in the timeline, give me something else. Better be humorous. And yeah, yeah he's funny. He makes me laugh. So when he comes on screen, I don't feel like okay, now I got to settle in for the Ken Burns documentary. This is his best movie. Number two, Fargo. This is number one. Um, <laughs> you might change your mind. We watch Pleasantville <laughs> next week. That's true. He's in that too. As is Toby. Yes. Um, Same director also. I and actually, Thomas Newman does the score. Oh, I actually prefer, I really like David McCullough. He kind of like feels like I'm at home listening to David McCullough somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and he makes the movie feel this certain authenticity that I thought, you know, a lot of movies try to help place you in history. This one is not trying to pretend like it's kind of feeling like a documentary. And there's plenty of like history that it's giving and I kind of appreciated that, like, we're dropping pretense and just making it a documentary at the beginning. I kind of liked that. Um, and I do, you know, I just love David McCullough's voice. And it does kind of ground the movie to yeah. to, to try at least to be more about underdogs I and, and horses. I wish that they would have just done that more and drop the newsreels and maybe maybe keep William H. Macy because he becomes interest, you know, part of the plot. Yeah. But drop the newsreels and drop the newspaper headlines and just give me more David McCullough. My question to you. Yeah. Have you ever seen The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Oh, I've seen so many episodes. <laughs> okay, good. I can sing the whole song for you if you want. Should that be the rest of the episode, me and you just singing the theme song? Sure. <laughs> so if you've seen... Can you do the extended version where he's on the plane too? Ooh, that's, that's a I tough don't, I don't have that part memorized. Maybe not. But if you've seen the show, <laughs> then you know the repeated joke of DJ Jazzy Jeff comes into the house. He hits on Hillary. Uncle Phil doesn't like this very much. Mm-hmm. Uncle Phil throws him out of the house. I can picture it. Cut to outside, sprinkler going, and we just <laughs> see Jazz fly through the air into the grass, and he goes, ah! They have the exact same joke With the goat. in this movie. With the goat. Okay. <laughs> so are they copying Fresh Prince? Honestly, I don't know what in the world they're doing here. So so they're trying to figure out, like, how do we calm Seabiscuit here? Well, some horses appreciate animal companions. So they bring in this goat and then we cut to the outside of the stable and the goat goes flying through the air as if Seabiscuit picked him up and threw him through the window. It is the craziest creative choice in this movie. It's slapsticky. It's absolutely insane. I, I couldn't <laughs> believe this. This it it doesn't fit at all with the rest of the tone of the movie. Was Did that, you? Is that your question? My my question was, <laughs> have you seen Fresh Prince of Bel <laughs> Just because I wanted to talk about this crazy scene, <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff, the 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 fresh goat, the goat, <laughs> the fresh goat. Okay, <laughs> what might have been? What might have been? Okay, tell me yes or no. Robert Duvall instead of Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Robert Duvall's amazing. I yeah, love, he's I, great. I love Robert Duvall. Have you seen The Apostle? No. He's so good in that. Hmm. Jeff Bridges was considered for Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. No. I could see it. Hmm. I could see that. I let I mean De Niro, that's kind of yeah, like it's an iconic. iconic. But I could I I that's how much I think of Jeff Bridges, I guess. Um, although this is definitely not my favorite Jeff Bridges performance. 
Jeff Bridges was one of many considered for John Rambo, First <laughs> Blood, nineteen eighty-two. I feel like there's been another. Yeah, we Rambo had we one. talked about another Rambo. I think it was Clint Eastwood. Yeah, and we episode. brought up the muscles. You need yeah. the muscles. He needs a little even though, more pecs. Even though First Blood is kind of not really the macho movie that <laughs> that it feels like because of the rest of the series. That one's really about like mm. PTSD and and Vietnam. So maybe he could have made sense there. Jeff Bridges as. Batman 1989 instead of Michael Keaton. Ah, no, 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 no. As a no, younger no. Jeff Bridges? No, 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 no. You need that. Is it because Michael Keaton is so iconic in that role? Yes. Because I don't think he's that iconic. Well, first you're wrong. And second of all, <laughs> second of all, you need his uh, like manic energy. You need to know that he's a little crazy underneath like the Bruce Wayne the leveled. Dude, the dude doesn't have a little craziness? No, not the right kind. No, not manic craziness. Okay, this is not a what might have been that's for real, but what about Robert De Niro as that Batman? Mm, okay, now now mm. I can see a little bit more darkness in there. And the sort of silly dope of the serial killerness in Taxi Driver. Yeah, it's a little maybe. bit of both. I do like the idea of, of Batman being a little bit insane. So yeah. I could, I could he see has it. to be driven by revenge. Jeff Bridges turned down the lead role in Pretty Woman. And Ghost. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Trivia. The movie describes War Admiral as this huge colossus, mm -hmm. 18 hands tall. In real life, he was 15 hands tall, the same height as Seabiscuit. Oh, really? Wow. What is the deal with that? You need a villain, I guess. Come on. I mean, if you're going to lie about stuff in the movie, don't be that cheap to make him a tall, big, huge... He's Monster gotta be of a an horse. underdog, man. How how that is he made me lose respect for the movie here when I heard that. You know how I feel about keeping I true do, to the fact, but, so I'm fine with it. But even a fact like that, like it's like, and and Toby wasn't, you know, Toby's character actually had only one arm, <laughs> but in real life he had two arms. So I'm not, why are you doing that? I'm not Come here on. to learn. It's fine. Um, most of the audiences at the Pimlico race. With War Admiral in the movie, were blown up mannequins. Oh, I with like face that. with masks as faces, long sleeve t shirts, painted on suits, plastic hats, which were all provided. Wow, cheaper than CGI. I was thinking maybe we should get like a live studio audience of mannequins, <laughs> blown up mannequins. Would that make you feel important? I think it would. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm down. Like, what do you guys think over there on the couch? We need a, an applause track, though. <laughs> We do have an and applause track. track. We do from from the other radio show that that Mark helps us produce. Mark Gilliland, illustrious um, producer. I wonder if that that applause track could be used in our show. Um, having just played Spider Man, Tobey Maguire had to lose twenty pounds of his Spider Man muscle so he could play this role and put then put it right back Apparently, on. Apparently, following... he must have put it back on. Yeah, that's cool, man. You love a body transformation. Uh, I love a body transformation. Toby Maguire also got $12 million for Seabiscuit. Solid. Thanks in part to his Spider-Man success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike. I have a feeling you're going to try to tell me how bad you think the movie is, and then you're going to secretly keep it. I am not going to do either of those things. <laughs> this movie is not bad. It's just exactly what I thought it would yep. be with almost no exceptions. So mm -hmm. I'm going to kick it. It's not the type of movie that gets me excited. I'd like to be surprised when I turn on yep. a movie, Brian. And We're if I'm not surprised, even if the movie is solid, I feel like it's a little bit lukewarm. But you were surprised by War Admiral being short. Eh. <laughs> not so much. Um, I will definitely kick the movie. Um I think that it is my least favorite 
Best Picture nominee since The Cider House Rules. So you just hate Toby. I am not a big fan of Toby. Um, I don't think, I, I, I think he probably is a very nice person, but I just am not usually very convinced by his, his characters. I am interested to see him in Brothers, which I have never seen before. I actually have Dark the DVD Toby. in my box in my bedroom right now, and mm-hmm. it might still be in the plastic wrapping. I just have never opened it, but I'm interested to see Brothers. Yeah. Um, but one of the things is that the backstory stuff at the beginning is very long, and it's probably the best stuff in the movie, where he mm. loses his son, mm-hmm. he you know, leaves his wife, meets Elizabeth Banks. Toby loses his family. Mm -hmm. That stuff is very engaging to me. And then it never seems to be even remotely pertained to the rest of the story. Like the only other hint that you get that Jeff Bridges is mourning for his son still, which I think that he is. And that might be why he kind of does, you know, sort of adopt Toby McGuire's character. Yeah. The only other hint you have is when they're like, playing with that little, you know, little ball game. Yeah. Other than that, you don't really see that revisited. And Toby, I mean, apparently he just lost his family and that was it. And he never seems all that sad about his family. He just is angsty. But that seems really odd to me that you would not use that again somehow. And well, well, I think him, that's kind of makes the movie a little bit, feel a little less satisfying to me. I, I guess so. But also at the same time, that is something that I expect a movie like this would have done. And I appreciated that they stayed away from it because what makes Toby good is his sort of anger and volatility Mm -hmm. because he was cast aside by or he felt that way by his family. And what makes Jeff Bridges do what he does here is because he lost his family. And so he gets obsessed with the future. He keeps saying over and over again, the future. That's like his his catchphrase. So this is it's kind of a desperate thing in a way you know he's instead of dealing with his problems he's throwing himself into horses because he locks up all of his cars and which i thought was a little bit much he loses his son in the car <laughs> and then he just gives up on cars. cars i know I mean, come on cars, cars don't kill people you know people <laughs> just like people. guns don't kill people <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's all not right. a political statement by the way that was just a bad joke yeah i'll skip letters uh to save some time but um in I'm going to kick it. You're going to kick it. That's yep. two kicks. That's two kicks, I think, two boots up. for the first time in a while, two kicks. That's true. We haven't done that much. In the next episode, we talk about Monster. It's another true life story. So in the same category, really, as Seabiscuit, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> this time, it's about a serial killer, played by Charlize Theron, directed by Patty Jenkins. We want to hear from you. Were, were we too dismissive? of Seabiscuit. Did we, did we treat it? I wasn't, but I think you were. <laughs> Let us know and we'll read your answers on the show. You can find us at bestpicturethis.com on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or by telling your smart speaker to play Best Picture This. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Best Picture This. And for 15 years of golden takes, head over to Letterboxd where you'll find me, Mike Cavalieri. Do you have a favorite movie from the past that doesn't get the attention it deserves? Go to patreon.com slash This. Become a patron of this show and help choose a future movie episode. Thanks to WNZF and Mark Gilliland for producing. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, here's some life advice for you, Mike. Okay. Or for our listeners. Great. You already know this. Yeah. (laughs) If you get thrown off Mm -hmm. of an episode of Best Picture This, Mm -hmm. get right back on. Mm -hmm. You can do this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.